what you know, part four continued. <laughs> We've been in this uh, study for a number of weeks, and last time we noted verse 15, and it's uh, verse 15 says, Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. And we noted that very important word, moreover, which deals with the second half of the chapter, moreover, or having put you in remembrance of these things. And what things? Well, thus far we've looked at the reality, the riches, the responsibility, the reward, the rest, and last time we looked at the revelations of our salvation. Now, as far as the revelations or how God has revealed himself to us throughout our Christian lives, and it's through the word, it's through experiences, and it's through answered prayer, and perhaps other ways as well. But where does this come from? Where does all this come from? Well, the last thing Peter reminds us of is the resource of our salvation. The resource of our salvation. Uh, this is the bottom line of it all. Uh, this is what makes it all happen. You can't remember the reality of your salvation. You can't remember the riches of it. You can't remember the responsibility. You can't remember the reward. You can't remember the rest. And you can't even re uh, be sure of the revelation unless you know what the resource is. And the bottom line is found in verse 19. Verse 19 says, We have also a more sure word. We have a more sure word of prophecy. More sure than experience. And this sure word is the word of God. It says there in verse 20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture. So it is the Scripture. Don't forget the Scripture. Don't forget the Word of God. That's what Peter's telling us. Remember that. We have a more sure, more sure than personal manifestation uh, of God, more sure than a transfiguration on the mountain. Why? Because we, you cannot believe your senses. Sometimes your senses play tricks on you. And you cannot always believe your experiences. Your experiences have to be qualified by biblical truth. And if you want to know there is a second coming, it's fine if you had a personal revelation of God in your life, but a better proof of it would be what the Bible says. All right? We have a more sure word of prophecy, and here he's talking about the prophecy of the second coming. But he's also talking about the scriptures as a whole. There is a more sure word. God was able to transmit his complete will and word through men who wrote the scripture. Now this is the thing that makes this a miraculous book. You see, the word of God is not only deity, it is human, very human. It's like the Lord Jesus who was both God and man. 
The Bible is a God book, but it's also a man book. Uh, it deals with human life, right down where you and I live and move and have our being. Yet, it is God speaking to man in a language that's understandable to man. You know, a great many people think, oh, if I could only have been with Peter, if I could only have seen the same things that he saw, listen, you have something better. You have the Word of God. You see, because the Word of God will speak directly to you if you open your heart and allow it to speak to you. And the Word of God is better than seeing and hearing. Now, now notice in verse 20, get back here to where I'm supposed to be. There it is. We have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well to take heed as unto the light that shineth in the darkness. The light that shineth in a dark place. Uh, the word of God is a light. It's a lamp. It's a source of light, like the sun in the sky. It's nice to see the sun today. You know, when we have all these cloudy, foggy days, it's nice to see the sun, isn't it? And as the sun gives out its light... It throws it out to the universe, so the Word of God sends out a light, really a force of power, and it's the only tangible, supernatural thing that we have in this world today. The Word of God is the only physical miracle that we have from God in the hour in which we live. And it will be that way until Jesus comes, or until, as it says there, until the day dawn and the day star arise. Now watch how this verse reads. It says, Whereunto ye do well, that ye take heed. And then you go clear to the end. Notice what the, the last words are. In your hearts. You have, or you take heed to a more sure word. You remember a more sure word. And the words between are like a parenthesis. The statement, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arrive, that's the parentheses. And just put the parentheses around that part, and we have a more sure word of prophecy, and we do well to take heed to it in our hearts. Remember the word, Peter says. The Bible is the issue. Don't listen to false prophets. Uh, don't listen to people who want to deny the truth. You go right to the Word of God. You know God is alive and at work because you've experienced Him, but more than that, you know it because His Word says it. Verse 19 is a tremendous statement. The more sure there is a word for certain, a word for, uh, for firm, the word for strong, the word... Uh, that's used earlier in the chapter it refers to strong and firm roots. But then this parenthesis, you should listen to the Bible as a light shining in the dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise. You know what the day dawn is? It's the kingdom of Christ. You know who the day star is? It's Christ himself. Revelation 22 and verse 16 tells us that. And so he's saying this, until the day dawns, until the dawning of the millennial day, the day when Christ comes, you must look to the word 
as a man in pitch blackness looks to a light. Well, you know, in a dark room or out when there's you know no moon shining and you can't hardly, you can't hardly see any stars. It's just black. How do you get back to the house? Well, you look for the light. <laughs> You're looking to the light. And there is darkness all around us. And but the only light is the word of God. And so we do well to take heed as you would to a light shining in a pitch black place. And you'll continue to take heed to the word until the day dawns. Listen, when the millennial kingdom comes and the day star arises, we enter into the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ. We'll no longer need the word of God because we will know as we are known, we have the fullness of knowledge. Now, verse 20. Verse 20 says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. He says, knowing this first. Uh, Simon Peter says uh, that this is the first thing we are to know. And the word know or knowing is a knowledge that comes not only from the Word of God, not only from facts that can be ascertained, and if we have an honest heart, you can find out whether the facts in the Bible are accurate or not. But these things are, which, uh, are things which you can know by the Holy Spirit's making them real to you. And he says, no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. Now, what Peter is saying here is that no portion of Scripture is to be uh, interpreted apart from other references on the subject. Uh, this is, uh, that's the reason, and I've said this before. It's dangerous to pull one verse out of Scripture and build an entire doctrine on that one verse. If you cannot get the whole body of Scripture to confirm your doctrine, then you better get a new doctrine. I came across this illustration. I think it's a good one. It's like the difference between riding a good, solid, four-wheeled bike or a unicycle. Anybody ever ridden a unicycle here? Um, that's not very easy. Uh, you know, most times, if you, the beginners, you get on a unicycle and you're going, you know, just trying to keep your balance and you're going all over the place. But uh, a lot of twisting and turning, maneuvering around, and I've seen some people on unicycles, and I've seen them take some bad falls, too. And that's um, how many Christians are like today. They base what they believe on a single verse. And it's wonderful to have a, a, a marvelous verse of Scripture. It tells a great truth. But there will be at least two or three other verses, usually a whole chapter or uh, some, uh, something in the Bible that will help confirm the truth of that one verse. Peter's telling us that no passage of Scripture should be interpreted by itself. We need to confirm it with the other Scriptures. Verse 21 says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now, obviously, he's referring to Old Testament prophecy. It didn't come by the will of man. See, that's the only thing he had at that point, was Old Testament prophecy. 
and for example, Isaiah. Isaiah didn't sit down one day saying, I'll write a book because I need some money. You know, sometimes that's why people write books because they think they're going to sell it and, and make a lot of money. Isaiah didn't say, I, I'm, I'll sit down and write a book and I'll send it to a pub publisher and he'll send me an advance check and then I'll get royalties for it and it, you know, it just, you know, I'll be rolling in the money. Because that's the reason why some people write books today. But that's not the way it was with Isaiah. The prophecy of Isaiah was not something that Isaiah thought up. It says, holy men. That doesn't mean the writers were super-duper saints. It means holy in the sense of being set apart for this particular work. And if you're a holy Christian, it means you've been set apart for Jesus Christ. That's what holy means, set apart. And as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, it's a wonderful picture here, it portrays the idea of a sailing vessel. The wind gets into those great sails and moves the ship along. And that's the way the Holy Spirit moved in these men. Now let me remind you that Peter realizes that he's going to soon leave this earth. And these are some of the last things he's going to be able to teach. Paul was the same way at the end of his life. Paul said, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And Peter is saying that the writers of Scripture were moved along by the Holy Spirit. Those are really two very important verses to go together. The thought is the same. And it's wonderful to see how God would take each one of these men and use them without changing his style or interfering with his personality to write his word so that his message, that is God's message, comes across. I understand that Paul was an educated man. And he wrote, no doubt, eloquent Greek. Peter? What was his occupation? He was just a fisherman. Uh, he probably didn't get past the eighth grade. I don't know. But he was uneducated. He didn't use his Greek very well. In fact, Greek was a second language for him. And yet God used both of these men to write exactly what he wanted to say. And so much so that if God spoke out of heaven today, he would repeat himself because he's already has said all that he's going to say to mankind. Nothing more to say. He has said it all. We have it. God uh, has gotten his word to us through men of different personalities, of different skills, and that's why it's a man book, but it's also a God book. The written word, like the Lord Jesus, the living word, is both human and divine. The Lord Jesus would weep at the grave, but he would also raise the dead. He could sit down at the well because he was tired and thirsty, but he could also give water of life to a poor sinner. He could go to sleep in a boat because he was tired, but he could still calm the storm. He was a man, but he was also God. And the Bible is both human and divine. And so Peter is telling us we have a more sure word of prophecy, 
Uh, this is a sure rock under our feet. It's a foundation. Uh, the scriptures are something that we can have confidence in. And no wonder the word of God has been attacked more than anything else. If the enemy can get rid of the foundation, the enemy knows that the building will come crashing down. Now, do you know how to tell a false prophet? Well, they either deny parts of the word of God or they add something to it. That's, that'll give you the clue about a false prophet. You don't need to deny the word of God or you need it, don't need to add anything to it. Peter is saying, remember the word. That's what Jesus said in John 15. Remember the word I said to you. This is the greatest thing to remember. This is the source. This is the resource of everything. If you want to remember the reality of your salvation, you'll find it in the word. If you want the riches of your salvation, it's in the word. The responsibility is in the word. The reward is in the, is in the word. The rest is in the word. And your revelations and manifestations of God must be that which coincide with the Word of God. You know, people have said over the years, false teachers have said, you know, I have this revelation. But what their revelation was doesn't match. It's something beside what's in the Bible. So you've got to remember the Word. That is the key to everything else. You know, you want to know why we have Sunday school? Why we have a morning service? Why we have a Sunday afternoon preaching service? Why we have a Wednesday night Bible study? It's because by the grace of God, we will never ever change the emphasis of the Word of God. We are men in the dark who must run to the only light there is, and the only light there is is that Scripture which came from God through the Holy Spirit. I could say we could also have revival services and Bible conferences and preaching and teaching, all because of the importance of the Word of God. So I wonder what your personal emphasis is in your life. Have you made the reading, the studying, the hearing of the Word of God a priority? If not, why not? Is it because your salvation is not real? Is it because you're not delighting in the riches of your salvation? Or what about the responsibility of your salvation? Or are you adding to your faith these things? Remember, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue and virtue, knowledge and knowledge, temperance and temperance, patience and patience, godliness and the godliness, brotherly kindness and the brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you, and about, they make you that you shall be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you a barren believer or a fruitful believer? And I think those are the things that were heavy on Peter's mind and heart, but it was also what God wanted him to say. Using his life as it came to an end, he didn't have uh, much time to live. It was the burden of his heart, but it was also what God wanted him to say. And that's the end. Remembering what you know. 
Well, the Lord willing, we'll go to chapter 2 next time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your sure word. Thank you that we can open it freely. And we pray that it will be the burden of our hearts to study it, to hear it, to listen to it, to, uh, to just uh, devour it and to know it more and more each and every day. Thank you for this time, this brief time in the Word of God, and we pray your blessing upon our prayer time now in Jesus' name. Amen.